listening to Green State, a podcast by the Oregon Department of Environmental Quality, the agency responsible for restoring, maintaining, and enhancing the quality of Oregon's air, land, and water. Hello, and welcome back to Green State, a podcast where we talk about the ways the Oregon Department of Environmental Quality is protecting your air, land, and water. I'm Dylan Darling. And I'm Lauren Wordis. Welcome back to the podcast. I hope you're all still feeling warm and fuzzy from our discussion last month with Richard, a high school student who created an air quality prediction tool. If you haven't listened to it yet, I highly recommend it. That was such a fun episode, and it was so great to meet Richard. Uh, really just uh, kind of makes me wish I did more when I was in high school, but um, <laughs> something to learn from there with him. He's setting a good example. In fact, this episode is coming out during Smoke Readiness Week, so we're talking about being ready for smoke. Listeners might remember that the first three episodes of Green State were a series that we called Where There's Smoke. In the third part of that series, we talked about how DEQ and other agencies are working to address smoke. One of the tools DEQ is using is called a smoke response plan. That's right. And we touched on those plans a bit back during that series. And we said at the time we wanted to dive deeper into the topic. And that's what we're here to do today. And we've got a lot of great content, so we don't want to spend too much time (laughs) chatting. But one important thing for our listeners to keep in mind is that there are two types of boning that we'll be talking about. One is prescribed boning, or boning on purpose in a controlled way. That is a tool for forest management and trying to prevent large forest fires. Community smoke response plans are technically meant to help communicate about smoke from this type of burning, but the plans can easily be used to talk about the other type of burning, which is wildfires. We're all familiar with what these are, and of course, the smoke from wildfires is not planned. I'm so glad you mentioned that distinction. It's why listeners will hear our guests talking a lot about prescribed burning, including Margaret Miller, DEQ's air quality planner and forester, who was the first person we talked to. You'll hear Margaret mention that while the plans are for smoke from prescribed burning, they get used for wildfire smoke too. So let's go ahead and listen to Margaret's overview of what these community smoke response plans are and what DEQ's role is. Uh, My name is Margaret Miller, and I'm an air quality planner and forester with the Oregon Department of Environmental Quality. Basically, these plans develop communication strategies between those entities that are conducting prescribed fire and the local public health, as well as the general populations, particularly those people who are are smoke vulnerable. So these plans develop really in-depth communication strategies so people can make informed health decisions. All communities can develop community smoke response plans, but they're particularly important for um, these areas that are called smoke-sensitive receptor areas. 
So there are currently five community response plans across the state, and there are four additional ones that are currently being developed. The ones that are are active right now are Bend, Enterprise, Lakeview, Oak Ridge, and Ashland. The other communities that are currently in the process of developing plans, uh, that's Jackson County, so Medford, Kalamath County, and that's Kalamath Falls, Union County, and that's LaGrande, and Wasco County, um, which will actually be a plan that's developed for part of the Columbia River Gorge. So, um, you know, included in a community smoke response plan are obviously, you know, They're made on the community level because each community is going to look a little bit different. And so really what we provide is more of um, sort of a minimum that need to be included in a plan. And then communities will will add more specifics to the the area that they serve. And so uh, the minimum is a description of the population within the community that's vulnerable um, to short term smoke impacts adequate means by which the public, especially those vulnerable um, to smoke, can be notified in a clear and reliable way about smoke impacts. Um, And that has to be, you know, in in a timely manner. So how can they get that communication in a timely and effective manner? And then adequate options for protecting one's health from smoke um, and then this all has to be done in collaboration with the entities that are doing prescribed fire, the public health, uh, as well as um, interested community members. Now, the, these plans, you've probably heard me mention that a lot of it has to do with prescribed fire. Uh, the plans are for prescribed fire, but many communities are expanding the purpose of the plan to be inclusive, not only of prescribed fire, but also of wildfire. Um, Because although the duration of smoke is going to be, you know, a little bit different with prescribed fire, it's going to be short duration smoke impacts. And with with wildfire, it could be long duration impacts. The response and the way in which you communicate that and the protective actions that you take, those are going to look very similar. So communities are using them for dual purposes. So these are the plans we're talking about today. Another important thing to know about these plans is that they are a major collaborative effort. Each plan requires a lot of collaboration at the local level, and we're collaborating with our state partners as well. That's right. Margaret went on to mention that DEQ works closely with the Oregon Department of Forestry and Oregon Health Authority to review these plans and provide feedback. When we approve these plans, it's actually a joint approval by all three state agencies. DEQ also helps provide technical assistance to communities as well as funding. And so now what we want to do is hear from one of the groups doing this work. Collectively, they're known as Smokewise Ashland. We talked to six different people about how the organization works. This roundtable of folks includes people from the City of Ashland, Chamber of Commerce, a nonprofit providing support to the local houseless community, and an employee at and a community member who utilizes the local senior center. They've got an incredible partnership, and we learned a lot from our conversation with them about how they address smoke in Ashland. Let's take a listen. 
Well, thank you all so much for being here today. Um, so Chris, starting off with you, can you tell us a little bit about the state of the forests in Southern Oregon and why smoke has become such a pressing issue there? Yeah, Lauren. So Chris Chambers, wildfire division chief for the city of Ashland at Ashland Fire and Rescue. The important thing to understand about where we find ourselves right now in the long arc of the evolution of uh, our dry forests in Oregon, those forests down here in Southwest Oregon and uh, on the east side of the Cascades, primarily in the state, is uh, to understand what's called the fire paradox. Uh, I know for most folks listening right now, it seems like we have way too much fire, especially after the summer of 2020. Uh, but in truth, looking at the historical record, um, we actually are in this position because of a lack of fire. Uh, our fire-dependent forests actually have not had much fire in them for over 150 years. The native tribes of Oregon, the indigenous peoples, cared for this land, and primarily one of their tools was fire. And that went on for thousands and thousands of years. And through the unfortunate history where tribes were um, extirpated from their homelands, put onto reservations, the use of fire uh, really stopped in Oregon. And then we also got really good at putting fires out. So even lightning strikes that would have caused fires were now snuffed out. And we've had a huge fuel accumulation in these forests that uh, used to burn uh, on the order of every decade or more frequently now haven't seen fire in many, many decades. And now we put on top of that climate change, uh, making our um, conditions just more flammable, longer fire seasons. Uh, so the uptick in smoke that we've seen in the last decade here, and I think has been felt across the state, is largely due to this paradox of uh, not enough fire uh, over the last 150 years uh, as it's played out. That's that's really interesting. And then, of course, if you're going to have more fire, you might end up with more smoke. And we have a bunch of people here today to talk to us about um, dealing with just that. So can you tell me a little bit about what connects all of the groups who are here in the virtual room with us today? Yeah, back uh, in 2015, when we were thinking about how are we going to get this community to embrace the return of good fire on the landscape uh, so that we can have less bad fire on the landscape. Um, we started looking around at our community partners and uh, the Chamber of Commerce uh, was just one of the obvious choices because Ashland has such a strong business community and the Chamber is really at the heart of that. As we started meeting and talking about this issue, we had a really smoky summer. And then that just really mushroomed this entire issue of smoke realizing that it affects everybody. Uh, and we realized we had this common cause across uh, all of our community to work together, to create healthier options for people, to let people know that they can come to Ashland and it's safe and we can provide opportunities for them to be here during the summer while staying healthy. And also uh, creating a lot of awareness in the community of smoke during the non-summer seasons when we need to do controlled burns to reduce the fuel loads to protect our community and to restore the resiliency of our forests. Well, thank you so much, Chris. That, that was great context and everything. Um, and, and now, Sarah, um, you know, this might be an obvious question to anyone living in Ashland or Southern Oregon, but for other listeners, 
tell us what kicked off the group in 2016. Yeah, help us, you know, fill that in a little more. What kicked this off back in 2016? Well, thank you, Dylan. My name is Sarah Jones. I'm the Community Engagement Coordinator for the Ashland Forest Resiliency. We also knew at the time on the horizon was the potential for smokier summers and elevating that issue of smoke could help prepare the community for that summer wildfire smoke. So in January of 2017, we met with community organizations that included Jackson County Health and Human Services, and local smoke regulators and businesses to begin planning improvements for our controlled burn communication and actions that would help the community with those smoke adaptations. So from that initial meeting, we began a text message service so we could provide timely messages that would help the community know when and where we would have our controlled burning and what to expect from smoke. So throughout that summer of 2017, we began intensive research of smoke and health recommendations. And we feel fortunate that we were ahead of the smoke in our controlled burn season that summer of 2017, and that online resource was launched for the first time. So now whenever there is a smoke event, either our lower concentration smoke from controlled burning or when we have that higher concentration smoke from summer wildfires, we see people using that SmokeWise website for AQI updates and information. Wow, that's great. That's great. And, and now help me understand a little bit more. How is SmokeWise helping people protect their health from poor quality in Ashland? Well, one important way we're helping people is by providing those educational resources I talked about so that they can make good decisions when they're a smoke in town. We are also connecting people with those timely messages for every controlled burn um, message that we send and encouraging changes at home and preparedness before summer wildfire season arrives. So SmokeWise Ashland has over time developed educational videos, a smoke and health brochure, and deployed air cleaning devices and additional air quality monitors around the community. And to date, we've given away 600 air purifiers with a pilot project funded by the Oregon DEQ for local residents. That's great. So it sounds like you all have been doing a ton of work around getting prepared for smoke and responding to smoke. Um, And we know that part of that work is having a plan and knowing what you're going to do. And these are called community smoke response plans. Um, And so we talked to DEQ staff um, in our first podcast series called Where There's Smoke, um, and they told us a little bit about these plans. So tell us what goes into your community smoke response plan. So Ashland's community uh, smoke response plan uh, was put together within the partnership of SmokeWise, but also reaching out to the entire community uh, to collect data about people's attitudes towards smoke. And their, and their actions as how they were adapting to smoke in the air, whether that be from summer wildfires or our own control burn program. Um, our plan contains a, a pretty detailed description of our population in Ashland who are vulnerable to smoke. Um, we talk a lot about the means of communication that we use to reach out to the public, uh, some of which Sarah has described already, but that actually goes even deeper as we're passaging, passing our messages through different organizations and those messages are able to trickle down. Um, and we do things like direct mailers, which we actually just completed one a couple of weeks ago. 
um, to increase signups for notifications in the public. Um, we also uh, talk about how to protect the health of especially the smoke vulnerable population. Um, but in some of the smoke events that we've had, it's been so dense that everybody, whether they are considered smoke vulnerable or not, have been affected by the smoke and sometimes for weeks on end. So and also talking about um, what about people who are are houseless, who don't have the opportunity to go inside, maybe people who are low income, who don't have the kinds of resources to create clean air spaces in their homes um, and how we can get better messaging out to them as well as find resources for them to be able to make those adaptations and whether that's through partners or direct outreach. Um, there's always new challenges ahead. And so we're, um, we're really thankful that we have this plan in place and uh, we anticipate uh, updating it in the near future, um, but also uh, implementing the actions that are already identified. That's great. And you talked there about a lot of different people, you know, um, I guess in, in the communications world, world, you'd say a lot of different audiences, right? A lot of people who are smoke vulnerable. And when you're talking about everyone, like you're saying, you really have to diversify the way that you try to communicate and the different types of tools that you use. So Sarah, maybe you can tell us a little bit about how, how do you go about doing that? How do you make sure you're reaching all of those people in Ashland who need this information with the different tools that you have? Well, we do have that broad communication network with the Ashland Forest Resiliency but we also are reaching out to specific vulnerable populations like adults over 65. We're having an in-person class this June uh, that's outdoors and we'll be able to help them with any questions that they have in person there and answer their questions and needs. Children under 18, we've been sending out a smoke brochure in the spring uh, through the school system that reaches their families and them right before they go uh, away for the summer break. So there's a number of different ways that we're using tools that have been developed. And I think Chris just talked about the postcard that we sent to every household. Not everyone is dialed into a digital resource and an online resource. So sending messages through the traditional snail mail is a good way to reach that population of people who aren't using their phones on a daily basis. So now let's hear from some of those community partners who are so important to making this smoke response plan successful. And so Sandra, would you please tell us more about the Ashland Chamber of Commerce and, and who you are serving? Sure, I'm happy to. I'm Sandra Slattery, Executive Director of the Ashland Chamber of Commerce. We are a nonprofit organization. We have over 500 businesses that are members. We serve as the economic development and relocation arm of the city, as well as operating the Visitor Bureau through Travel Ashland. So we market and promote all of our wonderful amenities year-round for visitors, which is our largest industry. Our mission is to improve the economy while preserving the quality of life. And of course, one of our most important partners is uh, the Ashland Fire and Rescue. We really believe that we're all interconnected, that we really are interdependent, and our sense of place is critical to our livability. Why people choose to live here, why they choose to visit here, uh, so much about it is based on our quality of life. Thank you for that. Sandra, and what makes Ashland's approach to addressing smoke unique? 
what stands out about what you guys are up to down there? One of the things that I think is unique is that we utilize each other's strengths and resources. People ask me all the time, and I know they've asked Chris, how did you get the other to work with you? How did you get the city to work with you? Or how did you get the chamber to work with you? And it, and we laugh about it a little because um, it wasn't getting, it wasn't that we forced each other to do this. We, we had a conversation and said, wow, we had this, this challenge. And how do we as, a, as two organizations uh, figure out how we can work together and mitigate it? And so I think out of mutual respect, uh, that was the cornerstone of it, and that we felt that even though we might not have the answers instantly, that if we work together, uh, we could find solution. Also, I think we learned that we needed to make everything as simple as possible and easy to access for the public. We created, I guess it was about four years ago now, we created the SmokeWise Preparedness Workbook, and that was uh, three steps to smoke preparedness. Super simple, how to be prepared for smoke impacts to your business, your employees, and your customers. And what would those three steps be? Assess your current situation. You know, what are your filters? You know, what do they look like? How does your inside of your business function? What is it? What's the air like? How sensitive are your employees to smoke? And then we moved into step two on how to take action and collectively working with Ashland Fire and Rescue, researched equipment. And what equipment could you add and improve in your business? What about air cleaners and air filters and air curtains? What does that look like? And then how do you conduct business in an environment that's challenging? So step three became a communications plan. How do you communicate with your employees? How do you communicate with your customers? So um, again, it was, it was simple. It was direct and a way for somebody to just walk through those steps assess your situation, and come up with a plan. Uh, now, quick fun fact about me. I live in Eugene, used to be in Klamath Falls, uh, and also was in Reading. And so Ashland for a long time has been kind of a place I can get to easily. I love the, the mountain biking there, things like that. How can businesses and visitors access the resources for SmokeWise there's a couple of ways they can. They can go directly to smokewiseashland.org. But we just also created this, this page that I was talking about, ashlandchamber.com slash prepare. And what we did is our committee identified four user groups, the visitor, the resident, the employee, and the business owner. And we took all the various places that people would naturally want to know more information about and we populated under those categories, very simple clickable links to get more information. So if you're a visitor, here's what you might wanna know. And if you're a resident or an employee, here's what you might wanna know. So there's actually ways for people to sign up for alerts, even if they're a visitor and then how to opt out. And then a toolkit, how to prepare better, whether you're a resident or you're a business owner. That's what we continue to do. We continue to improve it. And so we're always checking it and making it better. Yeah. Thanks so much, Sandra. That's so interesting um, and helpful. And so as you've all been saying, this is clearly such a collaborative effort to ensure that all community members in Ashland can be healthy when there's smoke. And so Lisa, 
Um, I was hoping, can you tell us a bit more about options for helping residents in Ashland, your organization, and who you serve through that organization? Yes, of course. So I'm Lisa Smith. I'm the Director of Program Services for Aura. We run both the homeless shelter at the old Super 8 site, as well as the Resource Center. Aura has been around for several years. We were originally a volunteer-driven organization, then COVID hit. And we had to hire staff to, to run the organization. We now have over 35 employees. We were also the first organization in Oregon to be granted Project Turnkey funding. And with that money, we purchased the old Super 8 motel right across from Albertsons. And we opened a 52-room homeless shelter. Uh, it has been challenging. It has been difficult but it has been amazing. And we have had 200 people um, stay at our facility over the last year. That's, that's incredible. And so, you know, of course, these would be people who are also going to be um, really impacted by smoke. So tell us a little bit about the adaptations you've been making because of smoke to, to serve specifically the unhoused community. Right. So we have three of the big yellow HEPA filters that we use all the time. They are wonderful. We also, when it's smoke season, we um, open our doors and, and our guests can take a little bit of time and sit in the lobby in the air conditioning. Uh, when we have them available, we'll give them an N95 mask to go out, in the, out into the smoke with. We also have posted both in the shelter and at the shelter entrance and at the resource center entrance that AQI, we check it several times a day and update it. So our guests who may not have access to a cell phone or may not have access to a computer can know what, what the air quality is out there. We collaborate with the library. A lot of our unhoused guests will go to the library to get out of the smoke, but we, we offer information on where you can go other than our lobby to, to get out of the smoke. Going forward, I think what we need, I would like to see, I would like to see when we are, have such um, terrible air quality during the summers, I would like to see the faith-based organizations opening up their great rooms to allow people to just come in and get out of the smoke. Yeah, yeah. We're seeing that all around the state that people are really trying to bring together the, the places that they have um, for folks who don't have easy access to a cleaner airspace. Now, it'd be great to hear from the community, get the community's perspective on all this. And so we're really glad to have Natalie and Sharon here at this uh, roundtable. I know people listening, it's just uh, voices, but it's a nice little virtual roundtable we have here. And so, yeah, help me you know, understand a little bit more about this. And starting uh, with you, Natalie, how have you been seeing the people who you serve, older adults, adapting to smoke in the Ashland community? Hi, my name is Natalie Mettler, and I am the Senior and Adult Services Coordinator with Ashland Parks and Recreation Senior Services Division, and I help run the Ashland Senior Center. We work on senior issues throughout Ashland. We offer support services and a variety of free or low cost um, recreation, fitness, social, and educational opportunities for older adults in Ashland. 
I am noticing that um, a lot of our patrons are starting to pay more attention to the AQI and air quality. Um, they're very thoughtful about um, leaving their home when there is a smoke event and if possible, trying to minimize their exposure by staying inside. They are taking advantage of programs like the one by Ashland Fire and Rescue that granted people uh, free air purifiers um, and uh, free N95 masks. Um, and they're following that guidance to create clean areas in their room and try to take care of themselves. Yeah, thank you for that. And um, gosh, I, with what you just touched on near the end, I, it seems like the air quality index AQI has just become a part of living in Oregon. And more and more people are getting used to looking at that during fire season to know what the air is going to be like. I'm curious with you there at, at the center, what type of questions, concerns, do you hear most frequently what, what type of questions are you getting from people? I think people probably mostly come to us with questions of where they can get the resources um, and how they can access education that might be primarily available only online. So we do a lot of printing of website pages um, so that people can take those and study them if they don't have either access or uh, comfort being online. People are aware, I think, of what the issue is. It's more of how do they get to that information and how do they get to those resources? So we try to help them navigate so that they can keep up with all the great information that comes out of the SmokeWise program, the FireWise program, and other community agencies that are really looking out for our residents. Fantastic. And now, Sharon, welcome to the podcast. Is this your first podcast? It is. And I'm Sharon Spaulding, a 45-year resident of Ashland, frequent uh, attendee at <laughs> Senior Center for many years. And um, I have a lot of, I did have a lot of issues with smoke and heat. So I, I guess I'm a good choice of a person to speak up about it. Yeah, well, thanks for, for joining us. And it's really mm -hmm. nice to have your voice as part of this because, you know, We've been hearing about all these tools that are being created for the community, for people living there. Um, it sounds like you might be uh, utilizing some of these. So please tell us more about what made you want to make some changes at home uh, to prepare for smoke. You know, how have you utilized SmokeWise to be prepared for smoke? I'm in my mid-80s to start with, and I've lived in Ashland 45 years. Last summer, I had to spend four nights at my son's home between the severe heat and smoke. And uh, I have a background of having bronchitis, and I was a smoker, and, and a very heavy smoker, I must say, for about 15 years early in my uneducated life. Uh, we were evacuated in 2009, and I think you don't get a real feel for for what's going on unless you physically have to leave your home. And fortunately, we were back with, you know, the same day, but having to decide what to take and, um, you know, so I have had that experience. So it, I just feel like, you know, it's, I have to do something if I'm going to stay here, live here, um, had to make some changes. And one of those was finally investing in a new ductless heating system. 
the air purifier that was offered. I think I was one of the first people to call and I used it um, the entire summer. And it was a huge help to me. I stay inside as much as I can and do try to combine errands early in the morning so I don't have to be in and out a lot. And I wear an N95 mask when I'm out. Your center has been a terrific help. They really have in so many ways. Having, you know, taken this initiative, what advice might you pass on to someone else? What might be a good place for them to start? So I would, I would say get educated. Keep close touch with the media, for one thing. And I didn't know that much about the SmokeWise program, and Natalie was kind enough to run off quite a bit of information. I've read it two or three times, and there were a lot of things I didn't know about it. So awesome. thank you for having me. Yeah, no, thanks so much. It was great insight. We really appreciate it. I don't think I could really say it any better than Sharon did just then. That was such a wonderful and unique opportunity to get a diverse set of perspectives on this issue and see how all of them came to the table to solve a common problem, smoke. We hope you all learned a lot about community response plans. And if you think your community needs one of these plans, start talking to your city and county since they have to create the plan and form some partnerships. This is really important work that will serve us for a long time. I couldn't agree more. Go out there and get involved. Of course, you can always contact us if you uh, want more information on a community smoke response plan that already exists. Otherwise... Next on Green State, we're bringing you a conversation about harmful algal blooms. You may have heard about this algae that can harm you and your pets if you get exposed to it. So we're going to have experts from Oregon Health Authority and DEQ's lab on to talk to us about everything harmful algal blooms so we can all be prepared for the summer. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Green State, the Oregon Department of Environmental Quality's podcast. And thanks to all the voices who contributed to the conversation. Our music is by Jason Shaw at audionautics.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you subscribe so you get our upcoming episodes. You can listen pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. Feel free to rate and review. And if you have any questions or ideas for topics for us to cover, you can reach us at 503-451-0585 or by email at green.state.oregon.gov. To find out more, go to dequblog.com slash greenstate.